Okay, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Hello, <laughs> hello everyone. This is Brandy with I Teach International. And um, today we have Dr. Angela Charles with us today. And today she and I are going to talk about the importance of having a great CV and a resume. So go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. Hi, I'm Dr. Angela Charles. Um, I will be helping Brandy with the presentation for the curriculum um, verte as well as the resume. I have a um, PhD that's in management and organizational leadership as well as I'm a past business owner and educator. Awesome. So what is the difference between a CV and a resume? Because in the and when I was, I worked in the professional world, in the legal industry. Well, as teachers, we're professionals too, but I worked in the legal industry. And so I didn't have to present a CV, a resume. And it was, it's a difference between the two. And so um, when I actually graduated from the university um, is when, and I became a teacher is when I started hearing the word CV and there is a totally a big difference. So what's the difference between the two? Well, a CV, you're gonna find that more in academia um, as well as with researchers because of the specifics that's needed on the um, CV. You're stressing your publications, um, any journals that you may have written, anything that you're involved in right now, um, because you always have ongoing articles that you're constantly working on. So all that information goes into your um, CV, um, your education, what courses you may have taught, um, what's the objectives. So CVs are very extensive. You can um, actually have, sometimes you will find CVs up to 22 pages, if not longer. And that's based on the history um, of that person and when I say history, I'm talking about your education as well as your experiences and um, anything that's job related based on what you're seeking in the um, academia or research world. When you look at a um, resume, resumes are very short. Um, sometimes they're like maybe five pages and you're not um, totally pushing your education because most people that are doing a resume, they may not have as much education because that's not so much the criteria all the time. It's more of your um, work experience. They always want to know your most recent work experience. You know, how will you um, be able to take that work experience and integrate it into the position that you're applying for now? What's the value you're going to bring to that um, job? So the resume is just going to pinpoint exactly what the job description is looking for and it's going to be short and very succinct and to the point good so basically if we're since we're all educators that are typically um that i focus on educators we all should have cvs is that correct if you're going into higher education you should have a cv um some high schools some um middle schools they may require resume it just depends on what that school is looking for um if you have a high level degree a phd a master's 
you will definitely want to um, present a CV, especially if you have a thesis or a dissertation that you um, you had to present. So you want to make sure you have the right tool to present to this um, to the school, either to a university or to a, um, what is it? Um, not primary education. I haven't worked in primary education so long. What is it called? Higher learning. Um, yeah, primary. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, I work at college level, so I'm like, what, what is that grounding? What is it called? <laughs> primary, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Before they turn into adults. <laughs> yeah, like before they turn into adults. Yes. <laughs> And it's um, it's funny that you um, that you mentioned that you know specifically for people who have master's degrees and who have who are going into higher education that they specifically have to have a CV. Now, when we're thinking about teaching abroad, most international schools they want they're typically seeking people like you know you and I, professionals that have you know, hire more than one college degree. Right. And so they want us to have, you need to have a CV. And so most of the times, literally when I get, res- I want to, they're not even CVs, they're resumes from potential teachers who have either a bachelor's and a master's degree. It, it, it's not, it doesn't display quality um, work what international schools are looking for. So um, the next question is, why should us as um, professionals, um, especially educators, um, make sure that our CVs or resumes um, are up to par? Wow, that's, it's very important because um, when you really think about it and you look at it from the employer side, that employer that's looking at your resume or your CV they have tons of CVs there. They have tons of um, resumes. So you need to be able to articulate on paper exactly what you're bringing to the table. What can you do, not just as an independent person, but as a team worker? Because a lot of times, you know, um, you can work individually, you know, as an independent person within your classroom structure, but you're also gonna need your peers. So they would like to see if you can work as a team. What have you done Mm -hmm. within your school system? You know, as a team, how did you collaborate anyone else? You know, even as a mentor, you know, a lot of people don't think, you know, if you're mentoring someone that that information that should go on there because that's also volunteer work. And Mm -hmm. based on the university that you graduated from, that can also be a social change product as well, too. So you're actually putting that information out there so they can see, okay, this person is not only an educated individual, but they're also able to go into the community and engage with individuals in the community and bring about change. Wow. It's very important to demonstrate the best quality of yourself on paper. And so, and and I, I hope that everybody takes that all in and it resonates with everybody because um, even like I screen people's you know their 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 documents before I actually pass them on to potential their potential employers and you know if 
I'm only, you know, a teacher and, you know, and a recruiter and looking at this with my eyes with a fine tooth comb, you can only imagine what a board of like literally like a board of of higher ups are looking for too. And like you said, if there's like anything, it's representing yourself. So you and it's telling a story, like you said, like who you are, what can you do in the classroom, what can you do outside of the classroom? And it's you to me, I feel like it's you should want to make sure that you're bringing everything that you have and it should be just um, immaculate because first impressions are the last, absolute last impressions that people get of you. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And there's no such thing as only a teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm more than a teacher. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Because um, you need teachers in order to produce all these doctors and lawyers that we have around here. So if it was not for that front line, you would not have all these doctors and these, you know, recruiters and everyone else that's part. So no, do not downgrade your experience. You have enough people out there in the world that's doing it for you. So yes, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Um, which brings us to the next question. Um, so what are some things, I know you said um, just briefly, what are some things that we should include on our CV? Because a lot of people really don't know. And when I'm, when I'm doing, um, a, like actually um, editing people's, a lot of the teachers that I've helped so far, their CVs, a lot of them don't have a lot of these themes. So I know I've helped a lady and she had like publications, like you mentioned, she put her volunteer work, um, everything. And it was more than one page, but and it was supposed to be that way because she's she wants them to see that she's more than qualified for this position. So what are some other a list of things that we're supposed to put on there? Well, when you're setting up a um, CV, you first and foremost you want to have the job description of what you're applying for you need to have that right next to you because there's key words within that job description that you need to look at your cv to make sure you're covering those key words within your cv so what i always tell individuals when i um when i'm coaching them take the job description look at your objective that you have in place and Mm -hmm. you may need to reword your objective your career objective and so it'll fit more to what that um job description is requesting from you so you have that information first after that you need to have your education and you start with your highest degree first do not start with your bachelor's (laughs) you put your highest degree first you also you need to put the university when you start it, when you complete it, or the um, conferred date, or the potential conferred date. Okay. So you make sure you have that, as well as the city and state. You do not need to put your GPA down, because if you graduate it, that means, especially at the master's level, you had a 3.0 or higher. There's right. no purpose of a um, GPA that needs to go on that seems like a little bit you know 1980s 1990s that doesn't go on a cv or a resume anymore now you need to look at your um professional experience 
and this is not in order. So you need to have your professional experience that relates to the job that you're looking for. So that means you may need to go back at whatever you um, did. Just say if you're an editor and the job that you're looking for is about content development. Mm -hmm. So you can actually take a position as being an editor into a content development because you're constantly reading information you're reading content, you're reading the competencies of everyone else. And so you're getting that knowledge and you're editing to make sure they're doing it. So you need to make sure whatever you have within that job, it fits what that job description is looking for. Do not fluff your resumes or your CVs because I'm telling you, when you actually start attempting to perform the job, or if you're doing an interview and you do not have that um, experience and you place it on your resume, that is like a death wish. Because you do not have that experience and you will not get that job. Or you may be able to, you know, whittle your way through there and you get the job. And when you actually need to perform those duties, you're not able to do it. They're going to go back to your resume. Well, you have this on your resume. So do not fluff your resume if you have the experience place it there now you can always look at similarities because one job description may say one thing you may have it in a different perspective Mm -hmm. so write that information down write your knowledge down you know based on what you have now you need to also have your publications and you present your most recent publication, your most recent presentation, present that information as well, where you did the presentation at. Um, It could be a poster presentation, any type of presentation, put that down. Um, Doing podcasts, that goes on your resume as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, when you um, set all this information up, you wanna make sure that you have a flow of information. And what I mean about flow, you're gonna have your education and then you're gonna have your experience teaching mm-hmm. right next to your education. Where you taught at, how long did you teach there? If it's still current, make sure you say that it's current. Within that um, university that you may have taught at, what courses did you teach? What was the objective of that course? Not just your responsibilities, but what was the objective? What were you trying to um, get your students to understand and receive that information and be knowledgeable enough at the end of the term they are able to successfully complete that course with new knowledge so what's the objective of that course and you a lot of times you can go right back to the um syllabus and you can find the objectives and you can put that information right into your cv based on that class that gives you a very long CV. Yes, it does. Um, also, your publications, you have those set up in there. Make sure your publications are the newest publication as well. And then separate your completed publications from your um, publications that you're working on, your in-progress publications. Okay. So make sure that's there as well. Um, you need to have your skill sets. And the best way that I've found to write your skill sets is based on the university that you would um, utilize those skill sets in and also related to your business experience 
that you have as well. So you need a lot of information. Um, when you come to a resume, you don't need to do as much. Okay. It's very clean cut. You start out with your um, job. You start out with after your job, then you put your education. After your education, then you may put in um, any honors that you may have um, received, any um, associations that you're a part of. Now that goes in your CV as well too. And also um, any organizations you may be a part of, if it's a fraternity or a sorority, that goes in there as well. Um, so make sure you have a connection with all those information. Also, um, on a separate sheet, have your references. And you need their first name, telephone numbers, as well as their email address. Now, and with internationals, you, um, you definitely need to get in a habit of placing that plus one. Mm-hmm. That I had to realize, I had to understand too. So, you know, if you haven't been abroad, you don't realize there's different codes that go in front of your numbers. Yeah. So yeah, make sure you place that plus one here in the States if you're starting out and you don't have an um, international telephone number. So, and I think that's that's about it. That was a lot of information and it was a lot of good information because a lot of people just don't know. And uh, specifically about, like you just said, the plus one, because when we are in America, we know that, okay, 718 is for New York or 602 is for um, Arizona Mm -hmm. and 312 might be for, I think, California Mm -hmm. or something like that or 404 is for Georgia. But these people don't know that if you're applying for jobs at an international school. So you have to indicate because they know what a country code is. And the country code for the United States of America is one. Right. Um, so you have to put that on there. Otherwise, they're, they're trying to figure out what your nationality is. They're not going to figure that out. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that extra legwork. Mm-mm. They're they not. Push it to the next and they're and they're not and so it's really important um that if you're confused about anything or how to set up a cv or your resume we'll have information um at the end of this podcast how you can contact um me or um dr charles so the last question is um which we all know do you think having errors on your cv or resume um can disqualify you from employment absolutely absolutely (laughs) yes you do have typos no one's perfect it it does happen but the best thing to do is to look at your resume with fresh eyes Mm -hmm. and once you're finished looking at your resume Mm -hmm. give it to someone that has that expertise to actually take the time and go line by line because all of us are guilty at okay I have a resume or I have a CV oh this is good let me just go ahead and look through everything yes nothing's here there are no red lines there are no blue lines when you're in um, Microsoft where everything is cleared just because red lines or 
the blue lines when you're using Microsoft Word, that does mm-hmm. not mean your work is grammatically correct. It sure does not. <laughs> it does not mean it. it just means that you may not have a period at the end and it was right. caught. It wasn't caught. Yes. So you can sit there and you can write a sentence and throw a bullet point in front of it and think that it's still good. It is not. It's not good. And for those people who don't know what a fragment is, a fragment is an incomplete thought. So if I, if you are starting a sentence and it says, the will the will of what you know what yes. I'm saying like they don't understand what you're you should when you're when we're talking and this is how I learned when I because my major in um my undergrad is in philosophy and we we had to write a lot so I enjoy writing anyways and so my professors told me even when I was getting my associate's degree my my English professor told me the way that we talk is not the way that we write and so I think oftentimes that we forget that and you know not you and I but a lot of people forget that and so we think that we can we can type our CVs or our resumes the way that we're thinking and you have to think of a professional and as if someone else is reading it so like if if I'm writing a book I need to write that book in such a way as if you this topic even though it's such a broad topic or whatever I'm writing about you can be able to pick it up and understand what I'm talking about and not try to guess like what in the world is she trying to say exactly exactly yes that makes that's a lot that's good that's really good yeah so when you're um and, and okay another thing that I've seen a lot of and most people have no clue what it is. A gerund. Mm-hmm. Please do not write sentences with gerunds at the very front end of your sentence. I don't <laughs> care if you go and read an, an article and you saw a gerund. Okay, what is a gerund? A gerund is a verb trying to act as a the noun. noun. <laughs> it is not a noun. It is a verb that you're disguising because, for one, you have lost your subject of the sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I have my students. I have doc-level students, and I have my grads, and the grads are the worst. They will start off a sentence with the gerund, and I'm like, what are you doing? You do not start a sentence off this way. I have no clue, as well as an unclear antecedent. Right. This. <laughs> what is this? There. There where? What are you talking about? Because most of us, and I'm plus, and they said <laughs> they would we were taught when we were in school. Yeah. If you have a sentence that's before your unclear antecedent, and that's normally the word this. Mm-hmm. If I cannot take that sentence out of the content of that body and read it and it stands alone, it's incorrect. Yeah. It is incorrect. So make sure you start it off with your noun and your verb, and then you go on your adverb, your adjective, and so forth, or adjective, adverb. You can flip it. 
you can do an infinitive plus part you know what is it parts participle you can mm-hmm. flip it so just make sure it goes in order now for my um my phds and my dbas and my edds and my what is it my psych d's and everyone you all you know better to not start a sentence with a gerund do not mm-hmm. start sentences with um unclear antecedents and the worst type of writing at that level is passive voice that's exactly what i was getting to because <laughs> i i don't i mean i don't think and honestly we're dr charles and i are not here to give you an english lesson because no. these are things that you actually should have learned in undergrad and if you didn't learn it in undergrad then shame on the higher institution mm-hmm. that you went to for not teaching you this because mm-hmm. i learned that when i was uh, when i was uh when I, because I started out as a history major, and then okay. I switched from history to philosophy. And my history professor, he ingrained it: do not ever write in passive voice. Yes. Yes. Never write in passive voice. Yes. So, Dr. Charles, tell everybody what passive voice is and why we should not ever write in that voice. Passive voice. Okay, passive voice. It's not incorrect grammar. Right. It truly is not. But. The action of what is taking place, it's actually thrown backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're saying um, is excited. Right. Okay. When you go, who, what's is excited, you know, or is respected or was respected. Anytime you take your verb and you connect it to your adverb or your adjective. Mm-hmm. That's going to give you a passive voice. So you need to rearrange your sentence. Mm-hmm. So that way, whatever is, is being placed for as your verb and the object that you're talking about, it needs to follow that. Not connecting basically two verbs together. Right, exactly. Is it really is it's it's two verbs. Sometimes you need a verb as an adverb. Mm-hmm. You know, you're placing them right there together, and and they they like conflict with each other because mm-hmm. the clarity is lost. So, but I will say you find a lot of um, British as well as Caribbeans. They write in the passive. They voice. write in a passive voice because that's mm-hmm. how you're basically taught to write. Yeah in that manner I was married to one for 30 some years and and I picked that bad habit up with talking and writing and I had to reset my mind mm-hmm. and I was like oh I cannot write in this manner because that's passive yeah, yeah. it's it's easy to change if you see it you know just just scratch it out and just restructure your sentence and it's really important that you do because like a lot of um, a lot of schools international schools that are recruiting and they want teachers you you're holding yourself out to be a professional and it's imperative that you can be able to articulate because as as educators we don't just teach children and we're supposed to be teaching them how how to speak properly how to write properly and so you would think that we would know how to do these things and so they're 
you know, you have to be able to communicate with their parents too. And not just the parents, but, you know, your administrators and other people. And so if you can't communicate with them, then they're looking at you like, well, why did we hire her? Yes. And you know what? Another thing, as you say that, Brandy, just keep in mind, despite how they may speak, English, especially internationally, is not their first language. Yes, exactly. So I've read a lot of um, posts where, you know, oh, they would say things differently. They would spell it differently. And a lot of times, you know, people that, you know, the language, English is not their first language. They're spelling it, the word, how they're saying it and how they're enunciating the word. And so you lose a lot of the contractions or not the contraction, but the consent. Mm -hmm. You're you're losing those when you're not enunciating your words correctly. Right. And you tend to spell those words the same way. But as you as citizens now, we shouldn't have that excuse. Absolutely we do not, not have that excuse. I can Absolutely. pass a person. So, you know, you can't go and say, oh, well, they don't speak good English. Um, no, they may not, but they hired you to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, That's right. So you definitely need to make sure you speak proper English. That's right. Because they're looking at you. And, and more importantly, the parents, like when you leave America and you start teaching at internet at an international school, the parents are, most parents are a lot more involved than the parents are in the United States. And they really want to know what is your educational background? Are you even qualified to teach my child? You know, just the simple things. And if you can't speak correctly and they listen to that, they listen to see how you pronounce words, can you speak clearly? And, you know, and a lot of times, I think because we're getting lazy in 2019, the way that people text each other, that's how they talk to each other. And it's also expressed when we're writing too. And I think we need to get away from that. And it's it's hard sometimes to differentiate when to turn it on and turn it off, but just have to kind of practice it if you want to if you want to be able to you know get that stellar job and have that career or whatever you're looking for because people won't especially schools and the professionals and it doesn't even have to be a school if you're a professional they won't take you seriously and then it goes back to what um, Dr. Charles said about when you, you shouldn't lie on your CV or your resume because they, they're going to go back and they're going to look at that like, what on earth? You know, I thought you knew how to do this, you know, but you said here that you did. So, like, what happened? And so then it becomes a question of, you know. Your character. Yes. And you definitely don't want that because it's so, 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 so easy to get um, blackballed in this industry and you don't want that you definitely don't want that and it it can damage your career and another thing that a lot of people do and that a lot of um, ESL students um, don't know they're not familiar with because as Americans we talk using a lot of idioms and a lot of 
a lot of Americans don't even know what they are. I'm like, what the hell is an idiom? Exactly. And I'm like, we use it every single day. You don't oh. even know. We use it every single day. So are we supposed to write using idioms <laughs> when we're writing them? <laughs> good so okay so can what advice can you give someone who is struggling with trying to get their career back on track and they're trying to um get you know they're trying to step into this this um professionalism what advice can you give them well i would say um a lot of times if you have been out of the workforce the best way to get back into the workforce is to volunteer within your community um, that is one of the best ways to give back to your community as well as you can start to pick up new skills. And as you pick up those new skill sets, you can place it on your resume. You can place it on your CV. And you start to network with other members within a society and within this industry that you're looking at. So, you know, get out, start talking. Um, if you're in church, volunteer at your church because that's a really great asset. I mean, you know, church is church, but it's also a business. Yeah, yeah, it is. It has to be operated efficiently. Right. So get in church, you know, get involved in the different ministries. You know, a lot of times they do pay for some of those ministries that you're involved in. Right. An employed person is easier to obtain a new position when you are already employed. Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. So that's the best thing. And, you know, start going to the um, library. They have different workshops that take place at the library. Um, in your area, they have career centers. You know, yes. just go out and, you know, network. They have a lot of, um, what do they call it, toasters um, meetings. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so go out, connect, and make business cards. I don't want to plug anybody, but there's a, or, there's a company that advertises on TV all day long, $9.99. Get you a set of, what, 100 or 500 yes. business cards. Yes. So get you, you know, some business cards. If you were a mother, I'll say it like this, mm -hmm. and you were a stay-at-home mom, please do not discount your work experience at home. You have organizational skills that you can take and you place that in your resume. Yes. You have networking skills. I mean, because you network with other moms or other stay-at-home dads. Mm -hmm. and you set up play dates so I mean those are skill sets yes they are do they not are. discredit those skill sets just because you're not receiving financial W-2s you know that's okay it's a skill set that you learned and you perfected it now right. I was an extreme coupon shopper while I was studying for my PhD I could do some serious damage with $30 and a book of coupons. So that's the skill set. That's math skills. That's strategic skills. That's mm -hmm. analytical skills. I mean, 
and networking because I actually work with other women, you know, that had different skill sets. So what I did, I turned that into a small business. Wow. I was able to learn how to coupon shop in an extreme fashion. And when I say extreme, I have not purchased laundry detergent in seven years now. Wow. Okay. And I'm probably still good for another five. Wow. wow, I have not purchased toilet tissue, paper towels, any of those things, you know? So I took that skill set because at the time I had my master's degree and it was in organizational leadership effectiveness. Effectively operate your organization within a budget. My organization was my home. Wow. So I took my skill sets. Everyone that was actually teaching online classes for his um, coupon shopping, they would mm-hmm. have like little Facebook things, Facebook Live. They would teach how to do that, right? They were charging 10 maybe $15 for a class. I took my master's degree. I charged $50 per session. You had to come to me. I provided you with 10 inserts. And an insert depends on how many would come into your Sunday newspaper. If it was two books, you got 20. Because it was 10 and 10. So I took my skill set and everybody was asking, well, how are you able to charge more? And I would go back, what type of degree do you have? Some had no degree. I said, that's why. I said, I value my experience and my degree. So I charge $50 a person. Wow. Yes. Yes. That was a business that paid my car note, paid my light bill. So that was a business. So do not devalue your skill sets. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if someone is interested in working with you, how can they contact you? Well, you can email me. Um, it's D-R-A-J-I-L-E-S, Charles, C-H-A-R-L-E-S, at gmail.com. And in the subject line, just make sure you put in I teach international and for CV um, prep or resume prep. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And um, so before we end... I always end with a positive quote and this one is from Walt Disney and it's all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them and I think that this resonates with everything that we talked about today um, you nothing is stopping any of us from being successful or obtaining the things that we want to do the only thing that's stopping us is the person that we see in the mirror so if you want to be a professional and if you want to have that dream career you have to hold yourself out as that and if you want it bad enough you can obtain it um i was a single mother on government assistance and you know and it what it didn't last like i always tell myself all the time it's not gonna rain forever and it's not so you may be in the dark for just a little bit, but there is a, a little bit, a, not a little bit, there is a glorious light at the very end of that tunnel. 
So we thank you so much for giving us all this wealth of information, um, Dr. Charles, and we look forward to, we have, we are going to have a workshop for teachers who are wanting to um, begin a career um, teaching abroad, like in another week. And we'll have all of that information posted on all of our social platforms, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So if you're interested, and before then, you can go to our website and schedule a free consultation. And that's www.iteach.international. And I can help assist you with whatever you need. Thank you again, Dr. Charles. And we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you for having me, Brandy. You're welcome. Have You too. Bye. Bye-bye.